Welcome to Podcast Homilies for Morning Prayer. I'm Father Ron Shibley, President of the Anglican Internet Church. This new series is part of our continuing celebration of our second decade on the web. These Podcast Homilies for Morning Prayer are based upon the appointed readings in the list of Psalms and Lessons for the Christian Year on prayer book pages X to XLI. Primarily, we use the first pairing, which also includes a gospel reading as the second lesson. The second or third pairings of psalms and lessons are used only where necessary to avoid repeated reading of the same psalm in the series. Other variations from these general guidelines are pointed out in individual podcasts. These homilies include reading and commentary on the appointed psalm and summary commentary on the first and second lessons. For those listeners not familiar with Anglican liturgies, the text of the Psalter in the 1928 Book of Common Prayer is derived from Mile Coverdale's Great Bible of 1539 and not the King James Version. By the time the King James Version, which was published in 1611, using a new translation of the Psalter based upon the Hebrew Masoretic text, The Coverdale translation was so well accepted among the people who had heard it read in services for over 70 years that the prayer book's editors retained the Coverdale text for the Psalter, but substituted the KJV text for all other scripture. Podcast listeners are encouraged to visit my Father Ron's blog page on our website, where I have posted an illustration on the subject matter of this podcast. In this case, it is the opening page of Psalm 46 in the Stuttgart Psalter, produced at Paris around 820 A.D. In the blog posting, I also explain the difference in numbering between Jerome's Vulgate Bible printed in Latin and the version used since the 1549 Book of Common Prayer printed in English. In the Vulgate version, which became the official Bible of the Roman Catholic Church in the 16th century, all psalms from Psalm 10 to 150 are off by one number. For example, Psalms 46 and 100, the two psalms appointed for morning prayer for Epiphany Day, are labeled as Psalm 45 and Psalm 99. Coverdale provided a helpful transition by including each psalm's opening words in Latin, a practice which still is used in the 28th Book of Common Prayer Psalter. Epiphany is not a scriptural word. It does not appear anywhere in the New Testament. It comes from the Greek epiphaneia, which means literally to manifest or to shine forth or to reveal. It is derived from another Greek word, theophania, which means a revelation of God or theos to the world. The illustration, also used in the series title slide, is a detail of the circa 950 AD fresco of the Magi kneeling before the Blessed Virgin who holds the Christ child in her lap in the Cappadocia region of modern Turkey. There is a very important difference between the meaning of epiphany in the secular world of the 21st century and its meaning in the church context. Today, when people speak of having an epiphany, they mean a sudden transforming experience, one which changes one's 
perception of self or of certain facts or of what that person conceives as truth. In church teaching, Jesus Christ did not have a sudden transformative experience in which he realized he was the Son of God and then started his preaching in Galilee. When we celebrate the Feast of the Epiphany in the church, we are not celebrating any such single transformative event, but a series of events in which Jesus revealed himself or shone forth or manifested himself to the broader world of the Gentiles, a phrase which comes from the Hebrew word for the non-Jewish nations. Only one of these events is the visit of the Magi or the wise men, uh, which is recalled in Matthew 2, verses 1 to 12. In the Anglican prayer book tradition, Epiphany is one of several fixed feasts on the church calendar. Epiphany Day is always celebrated on January 6th, the 12th day after Christmas. For many years, Epiphany was known as Little Christmas, and until the 20th century's commercialization of Christmas, it was generally thought of as the end of the Christmas season. The Little Christmas label may have come from the Eastern Church's use of the old Julian calendar, which causes Christmas in their tradition to fall on January 6th. In my household, we honor the old tradition by not decorating for Christmas until mid-December and keeping the tree and the outside decorations illuminated until January 6th. For more on the season of Epiphany, including its history and how it is celebrated in the Anglican worship tradition, watch the AIC seasonal video series Epiphany, the Manifestation of Christ to the Gentiles, which is presented in three episodes, with the theme image being the fresco of the, Vig of the Magi in Cappadocia. Podcast versions of the video series are linked from the podcast archive page at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net. The psalm appointed for Epiphany Day is Psalm 46 paired with Psalm 100. Psalm 46 is an 11-verse psalm, the fifth of eight psalms attributed to the sons of Korah. Bible scholars generally do not agree concerning the meaning of the phrase, some give credit to descendants of the rebellious Korah, mentioned in Numbers 26, verse 11. Others name the biological sons of Korah in Exodus 6:24, Asir, Elkanah, and Abiasaf. The psalm's first words in Latin are Deus Noster Refugium. God is our hope and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth be moved, and though the hills be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof rage and swell, and though the mountains shake at the tempest of the same, there is a river, the streams whereof make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most Highest. God is in the midst of her, therefore shall she not be removed." God shall help her, and that right early. The nations make much ado, and the kingdoms are moved. But God hath showed his voice, and the earth shall melt away. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. O come hither, and behold the works of the Lord, what destruction he hath brought upon the earth. He maketh wars to cease in all the world. 
He breaketh the bow, and nappeth the spear in sunder, and burneth the chariots in the fire. Be still then, and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Psalm 46, the fifth of eight psalms attributed to the sons of Korah, is said to have inspired Martin Luther to compose A Mighty Fortress is Our God in 1529 A.D., which is hymn 551 in the AIC publication, The St. Chrysostom Hymnal. Luther's interpretation is consistent with the Eastern Orthodox view that Psalm 46 is about the foundational Christian belief of the indwelling of God in the faithful rather than the modern Protestant literalist view that verses 2 and 3 describe an earthquake. The holy place of the tabernacle of the Most Highest in verse 4b is the first temple on Mount Moriah, the Mount, Temple Mount at Jerusalem, which fell to the Babylonians in 586 B.C. There is no earthly river at Jerusalem, as described in verse 4. The verse might be an allusion to the river that went out of Eden in Genesis 2.10, or to the river of the water of life in the New Jerusalem in Revelation 22, verses 1 and 2. Be still then and know that I am God, in verse 10a, is among the most quoted phrases in the Bible referring to the true peace of God, that is, inner peace and not temporal or earthly peace. For more on the religious versus the secular meaning of peace, see the peace entry in our bookstore publication, Layman's Lexicon. The second psalm read on Epiphany Day is Psalm 100, a short psalm of only four verses that is commonly known by its opening words in Latin, Jubilati Deo. As its title suggests, it is a song of thanksgiving and praise to the Lord. It is one of two psalms with the same opening words, the other being Psalm 66, which is read on fourth Sunday after Epiphany. O be joyful in the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness, and come before his presence with a song. Be ye sure that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. O go your way into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him, and speak good of his name. For the Lord is gracious, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth from generation to generation. Psalm 100 is the fifth and final of the series of songs of praise and thanksgiving, uh, originally used by Jews as a thanksgiving song for being saved from dangers daily, even dangers of which the person is unaware. It has a broader meaning in the Anglican usage expressing the joy of corporate worship of the Creator, or He that hath made us, in verse 2a, and who has, and continues to, exhibit grace and mercy to His creation, whose truth is eternal, or endureth from generation to generation, as noted in verse 4. For more on the concept of corporate worship in the Anglican tradition, see the separate entries for corporate worship and worship 
in the previously mentioned bookstore press publication, Layman's Lexicon. You'll find those on pages 241 and 243. One of the shortest psalms, Psalm 100, is best known for its use in the canonical Jubilati Deo, which is sung or said after the second lesson and morning prayer. A popular style in which it is pointed for chanting in Anglican hymnals derives from the English arrangement called the Oxford Chant in the 1940 hymnal. It was also the inspiration for two famous Christian hymns, William Cathy's all people that on earth do dwell, and Isaac Watts's Before the Lord Jehovah's Throne. Both are, respectively, hymns 278 and 300 in the St. Chrysostom hymnal. Curiously, it is not used liturgically in the Eastern tradition, although many Orthodox Christians find it a useful personal prayer of praise and thanksgiving. In our bookstore publication, The Prayer Book Psalter, History, Text, and Commentary, the full text of Psalm 46 and Psalm 100 and all the other 148 psalms is followed by commentary and a listing of every use of each psalm in the 1928 Book of Common Prayer. The book's glossary also provides commentary on every person, place, event, geographical and geological feature mentioned in the text with cross-references to psalm and verse number. The first lesson for Epiphany Day is Isaiah 60, verses 1 to 9, considered a prophecy of the coming of the light of Christ into the world, and in verse 9 of the Gentiles bringing him gifts. The second lesson is 2 Corinthians 4, verses 1 to 6, in which St. Paul explains to the Corinthians that the gospel of Jesus is a light that shines through the darkness of the world. Isaiah is the focus of Part 3, Chapter 1 in our bookstore publication, The Writing Prophets of the Old Testament. St. Paul's second missionary journey, including his visit to Carth, and other cities in Asia Minor and Greece is discussed and illustrated in another AIC bookstore publication, The Acts of the Apostles, annotated and illustrated in chapter 16. St. Paul is the subject of episode 5 in our Christian education video series, The Lives of the Saints, first series. The closing prayer is the Collect for Epiphany, which Archbishop Thomas Cranmer adapted from the Gregorian Sacramentary for the 1549 Book of Common Prayer. O God, who by the leading of a star didst manifest thy only begotten Son to the Gentiles, mercifully grant that we, who know thee now by faith, may after this life have the fruition of thy glorious Godhead through the same thy Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be merciful to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Glory be to God for all things. Amen. This program has been a presentation of the Anglican Internet Church. We invite you to visit our website and make use of its resources at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net.